what really matters, who really matters, and what life really is all about. What a tremendous past week we have had. If you were here, you know how encouraging the first four days of this past week were. On many levels, Aaron Kimple did a wonderful, very encouraging job for our adults here in the auditorium. Back in the back, it doesn't look like it anymore, thanks to uh, the efforts of a whole lot of people working together. But we had just a tremendous opportunity down a couple of hallways to shape young hearts for God and point them to the king. I think Mr. Roger was so excited to sing about being in the Lord's army and this little light of mine that his voice got a little scratchy. And so I am flipped this morning. He, Lord willing, is going to be presenting his sermon that is on the inside of the bulletin later this evening. So if you're following along, it's that little note card. A couple of weeks ago, I extended to you, really, the Lord in the Bible extended an invitation to open the doors of the Bible. And even before our two years old, all the way through sixth grade, went back and talked about all of those different doors, we spend just a little bit of time thinking about what doors are and why we have them and the way that we use them. We understand doors close and doors separate naturally by, uh, by their, their very function. Doors sometimes lock and doors secure. Sometimes if we're trying to keep someone or something inside, we use doors to confine. And especially if there is something of great value on the inside, we might even think about sealing those doors. We understand that when all of that has happened, doors by their very nature exclude, right? We talked all about that before vacation Bible school and ended on this note that, of course, most valuable of all, especially from a, a metaphorical point of view, doors they open. And that was really the, the foundation of everything that we talked with those littlest hearts among us. Whether they were in two and three-year-old age group or all the way up through fifth and sixth grade, if they were here at every opportunity, they walked through, they studied, they learned together about five different doors. And there was a lot of work that went into that. And it is a thoroughly biblical idea. And so just as we have the last couple of years, two years ago after vacation Bible school, together as adults, we went and visited those five different mountains from vacation Bible school. And last year, after that special week, as adults, we, we visited those five different trees. I'd love to do the same thing with you over the course of the next few weeks. If you're a child and you visited the ark door at some point, 
over the course of the last few days. I'm going to do my best to continue talking in, in just very basic terms that, that you also can understand. And I hope that as we walk through this door that we're introduced to in Genesis chapter 6, whether you are 6 or 86, God's Word will give you something to think about. Your Bible is open there to Genesis chapter 6, verse 16. You can see exactly where this idea comes from. The Lord God Almighty is speaking. He is talking to Noah. And he says in verse 16 of Genesis chapter 6, Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark. In its side. If time allowed, we could dive deep into Genesis chapter 6. But if you'll allow me just a few minutes to, to set in broad terms the scene. Genesis chapter 6 describes terrible, terrible wickedness on the earth. You look at Genesis 6 verse 5 where our narrator summarizes the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Only evil continually. Verse 11 provides another summary statement. The, the earth was corrupt in God's sight. It was rotten, and the earth was filled with violence. We've come a long way from, in Genesis chapter 2, God looking at everything that He had made and saying, this is good. In fact, this is very good. No, we've read about selfishness, Outright rebellion, thinking I know better than God. We've read about murder. In fact, we've read about multiple murders. We've read about lies. We've read about all sorts of the rotten fruit of human pride and selfishness. And now we're getting this sad summary to the point that in verse 6, the Creator regretted that He had made man on the earth and it grieved Him. I don't know what conception of God you have in your heart this morning. But could I encourage you not to take my word or anybody else's word for it and just listen to the way that He has revealed Himself. He is a he. We're not talking about an it. We're not talking about an impersonal force in the universe. We're not talking about a, a, a cosmic void of meaningless coincidences. We're talking about someone who feels. Who feels deeply and personally. A, a God who made goodness, a God who introduced love and peace and harmony into the world and it was we 
human beings who decided, no, 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 no. We're not interested in listening to you. We're not interested in submitting to you. We just want to take what you have given and go our own way. And it grieves the living God in his heart. He determines no more. There is going to be a great cleansing all over my earth that I am allowing these human beings created in my image to live upon. But a man, a real life man who really lived, we're introduced to him in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. His name is Noah and he found favor. Your English translation might render that grace. He found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. But it's important for you and me to understand. We're, we're not talking about, well, God looking at this man and saying, you know what, Noah, let me do you a favor. That's not the way this word is used. What he finds is life. What he finds is opportunity. What he finds is the opportunity to, to simply live life the way it was meant to be. And I'm guessing pretty much everyone in this room, old enough to be following along with me this morning, knows how this story ends, right? This is where it begins. This is why Noah and his loved ones are the exception to the rule. Because Noah found favor. He found grace. Now, really important question for me and for you and everybody watching in this room and online, whether presently or later on, to think about. How did he do that? How did he find that? In a world consumed with wickedness, filled with violence, how did Noah find that? Do we need to go to the mountains of Turkey or the, the, the plateaus of the, the old territory of Babel to, to figure out something that he found in some cave or up in a tree or deep in some chasm somewhere. No, our narrator shows us exactly how this happened. It's not a mystery. This is not like some man-made legend or myth that, well, someone a long time ago found something that you will never be able to find and you just need to take his or her word for it. You'll never be able to enjoy what they enjoyed. No, our, our narrator tells us in the very next verse, Noah was a, a righteous man. Don't overcomplicate that word. The first five letters show us what is intended by that word. In a world headed the wrong way, Noah listened to God to define what was right. He was blameless in his generation. 
Now we know as we read that Noah was not a perfect man. Noah needed a savior just like you, just like me. But, but here's the thing. In a world that was just seeking to cast blame anywhere other than where that personal blame belongs, Noah had a heart for God. Noah wanted to get to know his creator. He, he wanted a relationship with this God who is good and does good. And so if God said, go this way, Noah might be going against the grain. He, he, he might be in the minority. In fact, he might be the only one at times. But, but God said it, so that's what I'm going to do. God said, stay away from these things. And so... I'm going to do my best to stay away from those things. God, God teaches me how to treat the people around me. And so I'm not going to allow my, my heart to be filled with violence. Even though the world around me is filled with violence. I Here's the beautiful way our narrator summarizes it. Whichever way the world is going, I want to be with God. I want to be on the Lord's side. I just want to walk with God. And here's where it gets really important, where our, our children learned over the course of the last few weeks. Noah wanted to walk with God. And God provided a door. You can read all about it, beginning in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11. The earth was corrupt in God's sight, and, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way. Notice God isn't corrupt. His way isn't corrupt. Human beings took what was good in God's good earth and twisted it and bent it and made it their own. And in the process, they corrupted their way. They corrupted the earth. But Noah wanted to walk with God. And so God provided a door. God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. It is clear where the blame lies here. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. But Noah, I'm providing for you a door. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you were to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. And I'm providing a door. Set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish, here it is, the, the first of more than three hundred times in our Bibles that the word 
covenant is used. Very first time. Noah, I'm going to establish a a special relationship with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wives, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing that creeps on the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come into you and keep them alive and take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. And now Noah has a choice to make. I want to walk with God, but this isn't going to make sense to anybody. I want to do what is right, but I've never seen anything like this before. I want to be blameless. I, I just want to do what my Creator wants me to do. I want to, just like the birds... Honor their creator by flying and the the trees glorify their creator by turning green and, and bearing fruit. I just want to honor God as his creation. But I've never heard anything like what he is talking about. And I may be the only one. It may just be me and my wife and, and if I can communicate this clearly to my three sons and, and hopefully to their wives, that's, that, that's eight of us. And this earth is rotten to the core. Not because we were given a rotten place to live by a rotten-hearted creator, but because we have chosen rottenness. The reason we know this man's name thousands of years later is Noah, he did this. And it took him a really long time, but he he did this. It had to be Really difficult. But he did this. I'm guessing he was brutally made fun of. But he did this. And there was so much that he didn't know. When when exactly is this going to happen? How is this going to work? Is this going to work? So much that he didn't know, but he, he did all that God had commanded him. And you might have to turn a page to Genesis chapter 7, verse 16. Just as God had promised once Noah and his family and all those animals went into the ark, those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him. And I want you to notice the language. God shut the door. God, the Lord, shut him in. 
Noah just wanted to walk with God. And Noah was vastly outnumbered. But God provided a door. And when Noah had done what God told him to do, God shut the door. Genesis chapter 7 verse 11 tells us in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, Don't you get the sense our narrator wants us to believe? Listen, this really happened. On that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were opened and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Verse 17, the flood continued 40 days on the earth. It's rained a lot around here the last couple of weeks. But nothing like this. The waters increased and bore up the ark. And it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth. And all mankind, everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life, died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. But God provided a door for a man who just wanted to walk with the Lord. And when that man was willing to walk through that door and the Lord shut him and his family in that ark that God had told him to build, only Noah was left. And those who were with him in the ark. In our last few minutes together, would you go with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11? And could we highlight five important connections? Many of them that our children talked about, thought about, sang about, discussed together. Things that I would love for all of us, whatever age, before our time in this assembly is wrapped up. Five important connections. Connection number one. Noah had never seen anything like the flood, but he trusted God enough to believe his warnings and build something that didn't make sense to most people. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, by faith. Faith, Paul tells us in Romans 10, 17, comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. This wasn't Noah's idea. This wasn't Noah's theory. It wasn't his dream. He heard and he believed. He didn't know how. He didn't know why. He didn't know when. He didn't know what. But he he trusted God enough to believe his warnings. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Nothing like this had ever happened. But Noah, you remember he he was a righteous man. He he believed God, my creator, has the right to tell 
what is right and define what is wrong. My, my creator has the right to, to draw lines. And I, I'm, I'm bringing a heart to this equation that just wants to abide by that. I, I want to walk with him. And the, the way the Hebrew writer describes for us what was going on in Noah's heart is reverent fear. He's more powerful than me. He's more powerful than all of us put together. He's more powerful than all of the entire collection of human beings and all that they've ever made will ever be. But he's not just more powerful. He's good. And we're not. He's pure. And, and we're not. He does good and and we don't. And so I have a choice to make. The majority of the people that I can see are going that way. But I know what's in their hearts is rotten. I can choose to be like them. Or I can listen to the one who's right. And build what he's telling me to build. Even though it's not going to make sense to most people. Important connection number two. If we're going to walk with God like Noah did. We have to trust. We have to trust. Look at verse 1 of Hebrews 11 where your Bibles are open. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Noah had never seen anything like that. But he was convicted it was coming because he trusted God enough to believe his warnings. And if you and I are going to walk with God like Noah did, we've got to trust and we have to Obey. Look at verse 6 of the same chapter, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please this God. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your human energy. You can't fill some void in his character or collection of needs that somehow will complete him. But he's your creator. It's his son that rose this morning. It is his reign that has fallen in this part of the world in recent weeks. He wants us to believe that he is there. He exists. He wants us to walk with Him, believing that if we will seek Him and walk with Him, He will reward us. If we're going to walk by faith like Noah did, we have to trust and obey, passing through whatever doors He might put in front of us. And we talked a couple of weeks ago just briefly about, for instance, the Apostle Paul. It wasn't easy for Paul to be in a city like Ephesus. 
in the ancient world. But he wrote to those in Corinth, I'm going to stay here until Pentecost. Why? For a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. But I believe in the God who opened this door. And the adversaries are no match for him. In fact, go with me to Revelation chapter 3 where we'll read together in just a few moments. On your way, you can listen or, or look up at the screen at what the same Apostle Paul said to those in Colossae. He said, I, I want you to steadfastly continue in prayer for me. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Did I mention I'm in prison? But I want you to pray for me that I may make this clear, which is how I ought to speak. But you need to know, if you're going to walk by faith, you've got to trust God. You've got to obey God. You need to be careful how you walk, especially in relation to outsiders. You, you need to make sure you're using the best of your God-given time. You need to make sure what comes out of your mouth isn't rotten, but seasoned with salt, so that you know how you might answer each question. You see, Paul believed in the God who opens doors. If your Bible is open there to Revelation chapter 3, an entire church of God's people in the ancient city of Philadelphia is talked to by Jesus. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, these are the words of the Holy One who has the key of David. It's a royal key who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. Listen to what he says. I know your works. I know And what I want you to see is I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I, I know you have but little power. And yet you've kept my word and you haven't denied my name. And I know you live in a city that could be described as having a synagogue of Satan. I know you're surrounded by people who lie. Who lie about the truth and lie about you. I'll, make, I'll, I'll take care of them. You just keep trusting me. You know that I have loved you. How could human beings be described by that as their creator? Well, they, they just wanted to walk with God. And so if he said it, they were, they were going to keep it. And they were going to patiently endure even when it was hard. Trusting that God would keep them from the hour of trial that was coming on the whole world. Does that sound familiar? To try those who dwell on the earth. He says, I am coming soon. Hold on. Hold fast to what you have. And no one not a governor in Philadelphia, not a Roman official in Asia Minor, not Caesar himself will be able to take your crown away from you. If they were going to walk with God like Noah did, they had to trust and obey, passing through whatever doors he might put in front of them. In fact, 
the very next church that's talked to. Laodicea, look at verse 15 of Revelation chapter 3. I, I know, he said, I know your works. I know that you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Why would he say that about those sorts of people? Well, Listen to what's going on on the inside of those people. You say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I don't need anything. Not realizing you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. But I want you to listen very carefully. The fountains of the deep didn't burst at that moment and the windows of heaven open and all of these people get washed away. Just listen. He warns. He graciously invites. He wants them to find favor. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see I love you, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and turn, repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If they were going to walk with God like Noah did, they had to trust and obey. Passing through whatever doors he might put in front of them. And so also with us. Can we go back to the writings of Peter as we close this morning? Would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3? As we walk with God, building the lives and influences He wants us to build, we're going to be different from the world around us. No doubt. That was true of Noah. In reverent fear, he constructed this ark and and by doing this, he put himself on the opposite side of everybody else. Simply because he wanted to listen and they didn't. He was willing to submit and they wouldn't. He wanted to walk with God and they wanted to continue walking in, in rottenness. But God's way. Is always the best way. And so Peter helps us to understand in 1 Peter chapter 3 that God's patience is a door that can and does close. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 20 speaks of how when God's patience waited, in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. But the same God who made the door available eventually shut the door. And that is Peter's great point. Not about building some 
great boat out of gopher wood, but understanding where this is pointing, where your life was designed to point, where all of creation was always intended to point. To the glory of God. To the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Jesus, who is the door of the ark of safety. Just listen to Peter. In 1 Peter 3, verse 18, Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. In, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Because formerly they did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was being prepared. In which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through water. The apostle that, Paul, that, that God used to... First share the news on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 continues to share. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Listen to what we're being told. Jesus is the door to the ark of safety. And he alone can deliver us from the wrath that is coming. And there aren't a whole lot of places you could go on this sunny first day of the week and hear about wrath. The wrath of God. But I want you to think with me this morning. Noah did not do anyone any favors. If they were to ask why he was doing what he was doing, simply saying, you know what, it's not really that big of a deal. I'm not even sure it's really going to happen. I've decided to go ahead, but I don't really think you need to worry about it or take it very seriously at all. That is the absolute worst thing that Noah could do. That's not love. That's not grace, that's not compassion. He believed God's warnings. There were people thousands of years later in the great city of Thessalonica who, who believed God's warnings and so they turned from vain idols to serve this living and true God and, and to wait from, for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so Peter in his second letter says, listen, he, he, he goes back and he, he, he uses all sorts of Old Testament examples about what God did and, and what he didn't. And he brings up Noah again. If this God didn't spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, who just wanted to do what was right and speak what was right and, and share what was right. It, God saved Noah with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Peter, what's your point? In verse 9, the Lord knows how. He still knows how 
to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. He knows what to do with the bold and the willful. And you need to understand, just as every human being needs to understand, wrath is coming. Wrath is coming that makes that worldwide flood look like the puddle your kids or grandkids played in this past week. But God still provides a door. God is not going to change who he is because he is good and right and pure. And we're not. We're the ones in need of saving. We, we're the ones in need of transformation. And so Peter unashamedly shares, just as Noah shared, there is right and there is wrong. There is a creator and there is the created. And the created is accountable to the creator. And that creator cares about what we do with his earth and his lives and his time. And he's going to deal with every mess that we've made. But if you're willing to listen to what he has said and turn and walk through that door, his name is Jesus. And perhaps this very morning can be the morning that you begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as Lord and Savior. Zach opened up our assembly this morning by reading from Psalm 4 where the question is asked, who will show us some good? God has answered that call. Which is why we've been able to sing this morning. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock that cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. He's the door. He's the anchor. He's the ark. This is his invitation. When people in Acts chapter 2 asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what can we do? They were told, turn, repent. Start listening to the God who's always been there. And be baptized. Baptism which corresponds to this now saves you, we heard Peter say. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Wrath is coming. Wrath that we deserve. God has provided the door. If we can help you in walking through that door this morning, would you let us know how we can help you? By coming to the front while we stand and sing together.